0: My name's John Redmond. I'm the associate pastor at First Baptist Church in Pasadena, Texas. And today on Peace by Believing, we're going to be talking about the importance of our Words. Your words are extremely important. With your words, you can build up another person or you can tear down another person. You can lift another person's spirit or you can wound another person's soul. And the fact is, we've probably all done both in our lives. In fact, I know we have because none of us are perfect. We don't always get it right. And sometimes we think before we speak. Sometimes we speak when we're frustrated and angry. Sometimes we speak when we ought to be quiet. And so on the program today, We're going to be thinking about some very practical things that we can do with our words. Some things that we can say and some things that we should never say. And I'm praying that today's program will be a blessing to you, that it will be an encouragement to you, and that all of us will be reminded that our words are so very important and that we should only use them in a godly way. Don't say anything That could hurt another person's feelings. Don't say anything that could hurt another person's feelings. You know, we're all more sensitive than we let on. We all, you know, sometimes you'll hear a person say, Well, I just don't care what anybody says. Well, I don't, I don't, I doubt they even really mean that. I would never say that I don't care what another person says. I try not to live my life based on what another person says, but I don't want people saying, bad things about me or hurtful things to me. I don't think anybody does. And so our words, if we're not careful, can wound another person and can even crush a person's spirit. I made a list of some things that, that I know, you know, I've heard people say to other people and maybe you've said some of these things or maybe you've had some of these things said to you and if you have, you know how painful this language can be. Don't ever say, for example, I hate you. Sometimes, you know, you get angry and you say, well, I just, I hate you. That's a, that's a terrible, first of all, you shouldn't hate anybody. And so that's a heart issue there. But even if your attitude's not right, don't let that come out of your mouth. For example, you should never say to somebody, you're an idiot. You're an idiot. I mean, that's, that's devastating. And yet, sometimes people say that and they get frustrated. Well, you're just an idiot. You should never say to another person, you can't do anything right. Maybe somebody you're working with or if you're a teacher or coach and you've told the student, you've told the athlete what to do and they just can't seem to get it right. Well, I know it's not easy to stay patient. But when you say, especially to a younger person, you can't do anything right, that can be devastating to that person. Or how about this one? I wish I'd never met you. I wish I'd never met you. Here are two friends, or here's a married couple, and they have an argument, a disagreement, and one of them in anger says to the other, I wish I'd never met you. I wish I'd never married you. You're the worst thing that ever happened in my life. That can can completely wound and break a person's spirit. Or how about this? I can't imagine a parent ever saying this to a child. And yet I know that some have, in a fit of rage. They've said to their child, Well, we never intended to have you anyway. You were an accident. Now, can you imagine somebody saying that? Here's a seven-year-old kid, eight-year-old kid, and their parents are saying that. And maybe your parents, one of your parents said that to you when you were young. I would say, first of all, they probably didn't mean it. They just lost their temper and said something they never should have said. But let me assure you today on the authority of God's Word, even if they did mean it, and even if you were an accident to your parents, you were no accident to God. And God wanted you to be here, and he used your parents to bring you on the scene. And so, but what I'm saying to a child to hear, we never planned for you anyway, that could just make, talk about making somebody feel unwanted or unloved, that could do it. And so before we speak, we should try to ask ourselves, if I say what's in my head, if this comes out of my mouth, am I going to wound another person? You say, well, if I say something that hurts, I'll just ask them to forgive me. Well, That'll be good, and they will forgive you. But you know, sometime, even with forgiveness, the damage is done, and the pain is so great. Not that with God's help we can't get over things, but sometimes it takes a long time. It's kind of like if we were in downtown Houston today on the 25th floor of one of those nice hotels, and we went out onto the balcony, and we had our, uh, a pillow that had feathers in there. And we ripped the pillow open, And we started shaking the pillow and all the feathers just flying all up through the air. And in time, they're eventually going down on the pavement and on the ground, probably into other buildings. And then we said, well, you know what? I never should have done that. It's not even my pillow to begin with. I'm going to go down there on the street, and I'm going to get all those pillows, all those windows, all those feathers, rather, from the pillow and put it back together. You can't do it. I mean, the, the, the feathers are gone. And so many times, our words... They've, they've been spoken, and even we say we're sorry, and even we, you know, people, we forgive each other, but sometimes the damage is so great that it can take a long, long time to get over that. I've, I've often heard it said that we should make our words sweet because one day we may have to eat them. And so we always want to be merciful and try to be... One of my favorite verses in the New Testament is in Ephesians chapter 4, Be kind toward one another. Let's say that together. Be kind toward one another. So with our words, we want to be kind and not saying things that tear others down. And then another thing that I think is so very important, don't say anything that could weaken another person's faith. Even in church, you may hear a person say, well, you know, I think God wants me to do this and so, or I think I have a desire to do this. And sometimes you may hear that and you may think, that's the craziest idea that I've ever heard in my life. But if you tell them that, what are you doing? What you're saying to them is you can't do in your life what you think God wants you to do. In other words, you have a dream or a plan or even something God has put in your heart. You want to do that, and yet you're like uh, putting a wet blanket over that person's dream and over that person's desire. So don't say anything that could... uh, could weaken somebody's faith. For example, if in your connection group this morning you heard somebody say, well, I want you to pray for me. This week I'm going in for surgery and they're going to do do this particular procedure on me. That's not the time to say, well, you know, last year my third cousin died with that same surgery. (laughs) Well, your third cousin may have died and it may be of the same surgery, but let me ask you a question. When you said that in that class, do you think that strengthened that person's faith or destroyed that person's faith? Well, it, 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 we, it may not have destroyed it, but it certainly weakened it. And how much better would it be to say, well, you know what? We're going to pray about that surgery. We know that God is the healer. We're believing you have a good doctor, and we believe you're going to go in there and have a successful surgery. Well, yes, that would be much more healthy than talking about what happened to your third cousin. So don't, don't do that. I saw this last week in my own family. My mother, last Monday morning, had her right knee replaced. She'd been putting this off for some time, and so she finally had that surgery. And on Wednesday, my dad brought her home from the hospital, and he called me and said, John could you meet your mother and I at our house so when we get there, you can help me get her out of the car? When we've been at the hospital, we've had the doctors and the nurses and the physical therapy, but now it's just going to be me and her. Can you help me get her out of the car and into the house? And so certainly I did. We got her in and got her on the couch where she would be comfortable, where she could have her leg elevated. You know how it is after a surgery like that. You're, you're drugged up. And uh, my mom was on some pretty heavy, heavy narcotic, like Tylenol pretty much puts her out, but the stuff they had her on really had her loopy and saying things I never thought I would hear my mother say, <laughs> but not anything bad, but just didn't make sense. But anyway... Um, so we were in there and, and she was asleep and really on some heavy, heavy pain medication. And so my dad, she was in the den, their den, and he and I walked back in the living room and we're just talking. I said, you know, dad, I said, I know she's going to be fine. It's a successful surgery and physical therapy will begin soon. I said, but in the short term, it's just you and her here. And, I, you know, there was a lady in our church who a month or two months ago, she had knee replacement surgery. The surgery went well. She went home from that. And one day she was trying to get around the house, you know, in that condition, and she fell, she broke her back, and a bad situation became far worse. And so I said to my dad, I said, you know, Dad, we just want to make sure that nothing like this happens, happens to mom. And and I said this to him. Now she is in another room, drugged up completely out. I didn't think she even knew I was really there. And she I said to my dad, I said, Dad, I know you're not gonna put mom in the medical resort. I said, but just be careful as you move around the house. The only two words my mom heard were medical resort. And when she heard that, it's like she came too, And she said, I'll tell you one thing. Nobody's putting me in the medical resort. And I thought, "How how did she even hear? See, when she heard those two words, medical resort, in her mind, she thought, I must not be doing as well as those doctors said to me. They're back there scheming how to get rid of me for the next six weeks. Like an old horse, they're just putting me out to pasture. And that's what she was thinking. And I walked in and I said, Mom, nobody said anything about putting... She said, let me tell you something, John Redmond. You ain't putting me in a medical resort. So even by saying something taken out of context... It kind of weakened her faith or I I don't know if it weakened her faith or just stirred up a little fight in her. And my dad kind of looked at me like this as if to say, I've been telling you, she's tougher than you think. And this is what I'm dealing with over here. So, but try not to, when you say something to somebody else, try not to discourage them. Try to encourage them. Try to build them up. That's what the Bible says we're supposed to do. Try to edify them. And then, this is so very important, don't say anything that could damage another person's reputation. Don't say anything that could damage another person's reputation. If you've heard something about another person and you spread that, that's just gossip and that's going to hurt the reputation. Even if it's something, I guess we could go as far as this, even if it's something that you know to be true, there's no reason to spread that. I mean, if it's a legal matter and you need to tell the police or you need to tell the, the authorities, that's one thing. But if the intent of your heart is to say something to make another person look bad, I mean, it's just a malicious intent of your heart, that's wrong. You know, sometimes we try to make ourselves look good by making other people look bad. And there's something about gossip and slander. Did you know that you are never more like the devil than when you're speaking ill of another person? Because it says in the Bible, the devil is the accuser of the brethren. A lot of the things the devil is accusing us of before God are true. It's stuff we did, and yet he's accusing us before God. And Jesus is there as our advocate saying, yes, but when I died on the cross, my blood Wash that sin away. You're never more like the devil than when you're accusing somebody. And you're never more like God than when you're trying to cover over somebody's sins. The scripture says, love covers a multitude of sins. And we should try to do that. I read an article last week that I thought was interesting. Talking about the gossip, the slanderer, the person who's always finding fault in others. It said, the fault finder, in fact, injures himself. The mudslinger cannot engage in his favorite pastime without getting some of the mud that he slings both upon his hands, upon his own hands and his own heart. How often have we come away from such an experience with a sense of defilement, yet that was not our intention at all. We were vainly hoping by slinging mud upon others, we might enhance somebody else's estimation of our own cleanliness. We were foolish enough to believe that we could build ourselves up by tearing another down. We were blind enough to imagine that by putting a stick of dynamite under the house of our neighbor, we could strengthen our own foundation. But this is never the case. In our efforts to injure others, we may succeed, but we always inflict the deeper injury upon ourselves. And so our words are like a boomerang. We throw them at others and yet it comes back on us. What does the scripture say? It said, he who rolls a stone on somebody else to destroy that person will find in time that that stone will roll back on him. So try not to ever say anything that would damage another person's reputation. And then also, it kind of goes along with that, don't say anything that would damage your own witness for Christ profanity, vulgarity, off-colored jokes, something just kind of questionable or borderline. I would never want to say anything out of the pulpit or out of the church that would be a bad reflection on me in the pulpit at the church. And I I mean, we all do, but my, you know, we all do sometimes, but my goal in life, and I don't always meet this goal, but my goal is to not ever say anything to somebody else That I wouldn't mind being said to the whole, to to the whole church or in a more public way. So don't say anything that could witness or that could damage your own reputation for Christ. Now, the question is, how do we go about not doing? I mean, I've given you five things not to do. It'd be easy to leave here today. So he told us, you know, don't say everything we think, don't hurt somebody's reputation. All these don't, it's kind of a came at it from a negative angle. Well, it's That part of it may have been, don't do this, don't do this, don't do that. But the way not to do those things is to make sure that your heart is right with God. One of my favorite verses in the Bible is in Matthew chapter 12 in verse 34. And it says, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Let's say that together. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So if you want to know what's in your heart, just listen to what comes out of your mouth. If you want to know what's in somebody else's heart, Just listen to what comes out of of their mouth. When you hear someone else using profanity, some off-color joke, gossip, slander, trying to hurt somebody else's reputation, being rude, did you know that person has told you more about himself than he has about the person he was talking about? You've learned what's in their heart. Have you ever said something? We probably all have. And after you said it, you thought to yourself, well, I didn't even know that was in me. I can't believe that I, that I said that. Well, if you said it, it was in you. And the fact that we know it was in you is because it came out of you. The old country saying is this, what's down in the well comes up in the bucket. In other words, what's down in our heart is going to come up in our mouth. Now, we want to make sure that our heart is right, that our mind, yes, we're guarding our thoughts and we're guarding our words and we're being careful what we say, But the main thing we want to do is make sure our heart is right. It's interesting. As I was thinking about the fact that in an average day, people speak between 15,000, 30,000 words a day. Some speak probably more than that. I got to thinking, I wonder what the most important words a person could ever say are. You know, there are some words that, that we should say regularly and even daily. We should say things like please, thank you, I mean, you know, we're living in a day where it's almost become cool to be rude to other people. I mean, this presidential election, I mean, isn't it bringing out the best in everybody? I mean, you know, it's just, just like verbal missiles are just flying all over the place. Not just with the candidates, but I'm talking about the, the, the news. I mean, just we as Christians, we should say things like, please, thank you, I'm sorry, I was wrong... Please forgive me. I love you. I mean, these are things that should just regularly be coming out of our mouth. That's that's godly. That's kind. That's Christ-like. But you know, as important as those words are, did you know the most important words that could ever be uttered with your lips are not uttered to another person. They're uttered to God. When you say, God, please forgive my sins. Come into my heart and make me a Christian. I ask you to save me. I trust you to do it. That's the wisest thing you could ever say with your lips. And then after that, the next wisest thing you could say would not be to God, but it would be in a setting like this to other Christians where you confess Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. What does it say in Romans chapter 10? If we confess with our mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in our heart that God has raised Him from the dead, we will be saved. For with the heart man believes unto righteousness... And with the mouth, confession is made to salvation. There's something about confessing Christ that settles and seals our own salvation in our hearts. Well, that is so very true. The most important words that we'll ever speak are the words we speak to Jesus. And the most important words we'll ever speak to Jesus are the words, I'm sorry, please forgive me, come into my heart, and make me a Christian. That's how a person gets saved. That's how a person goes to heaven, by receiving Jesus Christ into our hearts. Today on Peace by Believing, we've been thinking about the importance of our words and what we should say and what we should never say to another person. But at the end of the sermon, we just were reminded that the most important words we could ever use are the words we speak to Jesus. And today, as you're listening to this message, let me use my words to ask you a question. Has there ever been a time in your life when you prayed and asked Jesus Christ to come into your heart, to forgive your sins, and to make you a Christian? Have you ever lifted your voice towards heaven and said, "O oh God, be merciful to me, a sinner"? The Bible says, "All who call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved." I love that verse. It's in Romans chapter 10 and verse 13 all who call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Notice it doesn't say some who call upon the name of the Lord might be saved, or how would we ever know? But it says all who call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And so the key verb there in that sentence or in that verse is the word call, all who call on the name of the Lord. And so the question today that I want to ask you is simply this, has there ever been a time in your life when you called on Jesus Christ, when you asked him to save you? You say, well, John, I wouldn't know exactly what words to use, and I wouldn't exactly know how to say that. Friend, the words don't even matter. God knows the heart. The Bible says man looks at the outward appearance, but God looks at the heart. And when God looks in your heart, if he sees a desire in your heart to be forgiven of your sins— if he sees a desire in your heart to receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, it doesn't even matter what words you use. You could just say, God, save me. When Jesus was dying on the cross, the Bible says that there, was a, there were two thieves, one on each side of Jesus. And one of those thieves, who was also being crucified, turned to Jesus just before his death, and he said, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus looked at that man and said, Today you will be with me in paradise. And so the words he used were those words. Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. You could say something like this. Jesus, please forgive my sins, come into my heart, and make me a Christian. The exact words don't matter. What matters is your heart and your the desire of your heart and whether or not you truly want to be saved. And so today, as we wrap this program up, I want to give you an opportunity to use your words in the greatest possible way and that is to use your words to ask Jesus to save you. And so if it's where you can pray, if you're driving down the road, you're going to have to just pray this prayer with your eyes wide open while you're still driving. But if you're at home, if you're in a hotel, or if you're somewhere where you could just bow your head for a moment of prayer, I'm going to lead you in a little prayer. And if you'll just repeat this prayer after me, the Lord will hear your prayer. He knows your heart. And remember what the verse says, All who call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And friend, you are included under that broad category of all. And so would you just pray this right now? Say, Lord Jesus, would you please forgive me of my sins? I'm sorry for everything I've ever done wrong. Lord, today I turn from those sins and I'm asking you to help me to go in a new and a different direction. Help me to stop doing the things that I've been doing that are wrong. God, empower me to do just that. Lord Jesus, I ask you now to come into my heart, forgive my sins, and make me a Christian. I ask you to save me, and I trust you to do it. Welcome to my heart, Jesus. Thank you that you'll never leave me. Begin now to make me the person you want me to be. For it's in your name I pray, amen. And friend, if you prayed that prayer today, I can assure you on the authority of God's Word that He has heard your prayer, He has answered your prayer, and today He has just saved you. Jesus Christ in the person of the Holy Spirit has just come into your heart. He has just forgiven your sins and He has just adopted you into the family of God. And so I want to say congratulations for using your words in the wisest possible way. Now, the next Greatest thing you can uh, do with your words is to confess Christ openly and publicly in a church setting. And so I would encourage you to find a church. Maybe you already go to church, but you need to, however, that is done in your church, if it's walking down the front of the church during the invitation if it's meeting with a pastor however that if however that's done you need to share this decision with another person maybe even today you could share it with your spouse or with your child or with your parent or with your neighbor or with your friend tell somebody that Jesus is living in your heart and I just want to congratulate you again and I want to welcome you to the family of God thank you for joining us on peace by believing today I hope you have a great week and I hope you'll be with us next time Peace by Believing is an extension of the ministry of First Baptist Church in Pasadena, Texas. If you would like to grow in your relationship with God, we have several booklets online for you to read or download. To find them, go to our website, peacebybelieving.org, click on the Spiritual Growth tab, and scroll down to the booklet section. If the ministry of Peace by Believing has been a blessing to you, please email us at info at peacebybelieving.org. We pray that you have a blessed week.